All right. Uh, my name is Justin Bullock, and I'm with a few students from the Bush School of Government and Public Service. And we've been spending our time this semester trying to understand how to improve decision making in public service. Students have been exposed to a number of, uh, a couple of books, a bunch of journal articles, a bunch of different arguments, and I've asked them to summarize what they've learned so far about how to improve decision making in, uh, in government and in public service in particular. Um, so what I'd like to do is I'm going to give the group of uh, four students I have here with me an opportunity to introduce themselves so you know who you're hearing from. And then they're going to jump right into some of their findings from their report because we're trying to keep these pretty quick and tight, about 20 minutes for you, but to be able to digest a lot of information about decision making in a short amount of time. So we'll, uh, this is an experiment for us, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but with that team, if you wouldn't mind, uh, maybe starting with Lindsay here and introducing yourselves around the table or chair as we are. Okay, my name is Lindsay Escalante. I'm Jasmine Walia. I'm Shu Zhang. Hello, I'm James McKenzie. Excellent. Well, as always, thanks for your work and thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, I'm pretty excited to talk with you about this. So maybe one of you could take the opportunity to set the stage for us and let us know how you, uh, how you started tackling this question of improving decision making in public service. Sure. So when we begin discussion about how we're going to tackle this handbook or this decision book, uh, one of the topics that came up was how important the media was in impacting public servants and the process that they go through when they're making public policy and the decision-making process that goes into that. So we talked about how the media plays a role in those outcomes. Um, naturally, we went into one of the main texts of our class, which was Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow, and we started to think how the media plays a role in system one and system two type thinking. I pause you real quick, James. Sure. So just for the people listening, system one and system two, system one being not like a literal function in your brain, but more of a metaphor that Kahneman uses, and system one being talking about the things that happen quick, that are automatic, that uh, deliver quick responses to your consciousness, system two being more deliberate, slow, methodical, maybe closer to rational decision making. Is that a fair way to put it? Definitely, and those are some of the words that we came to the conclusion of as well, how system one is very intuitive, automatic, involuntary, and our brain will rapidly make um, a lot of associations from stimulus and inputs, mm -hmm. whereas system two oftentimes takes a much more deliberate reasoning approach, takes a more neutral approach to decision making, whereas system one is often very emotional and that plays a large role in terms of how media can easily arouse our emotions. Yeah, so I imagine that emotions play a huge role in this. If I remember, I think Kahneman calls it the, in one part, the affect heuristic is, mm -hmm. is a big piece of this, which I'm sure you'll, yes. you'll get to. Very nice. Definitely. We also wanted to talk about how um, system one and system two not only occurs for obviously the decision makers and the public officials, but it's also relevant to take a look at how it's impacting the American public in general. And that's something that we talked about in our paper as well. How does it impact the American citizen, those who are um, a part of larger issue networks, a part of interest groups, the, those who go and vote and ultimately um, elect these public officials, how they are primed or um, 
impacted by the media is also relevant for our outlook as well. So uh, maybe some of the idea here, basically, as I understand, is that one of the things Kahneman points to is that we have these biases and we have these heuristics. I mentioned one, the affect heuristic a minute ago. And the individuals, as they make decisions, suffer from some of these heuristics and biases, some of these things like framing and stuff I'm sure you're going to talk about. But maybe one of the things that uh, public sector workers or public servants may be less aware of is how, one, how they're affected by these things, but also the role that the media plays in dominating agenda setting, dominating the conversation, because they play up on some of these same uh, tendencies, some of these same ways of trying to frame problems to get people's attention in large part to, to have more viewers, right? And so the media, I'm sure, is susceptible to some of these same types of biases that we see at the individual level, right? That's great, because she was actually about to talk about how priming plays a role in impacting policy agendas. Ah, oh, man, it's almost like I've read this stuff before. <laughs> All right, Shu. Um, okay, so I'm going to introduce the priming effect. Um, priming effect is, uh, Priming effect means that um, one subject's actions and emotions can be informed by different events, various words, and uh, related concepts. And uh, this process can be unweared by individuals. Um, and the comment um, presents priming as a function of system one because this concept um, con unconsciously directs initial reaction that can impact overall choices. And um, um, as I said before, priming can be unconsciousness, and there is a example introduced in Common's book uh, that a students um, uh, uh, in the experiment, the students were um, required to, like, um, so uh, students are exposed to some um, different words, and those words are relevant to elderly, uh, and the the students are required to uh, fashion the sentence uh, with those words. And the second phase of the experiment, the researcher record the time students walk to walk down to a uh, the same destination and find out um, student what students who uh, fashioned the sentence with. Uh, elderly relevant words they walk slower than others who don't <laughs> so yeah so they were kind of framed by the word choices so they were given mm -hmm. some words that signaled elderly people um, uh, older in age these types of things and then they yes. actually walked slower right. than the non-treatment group from one destination to another yes. that's really interesting you know a lot of the examples for framing um, often come up around uh, numbers mm -hmm. so like you know one of the things we've talked about in classes mm -hmm. In a negotiation deal for example and say you want to barter on a house and the house has some underlying value but you're negotiating mm -hmm. if you throw some really large number out there to begin with say the house is really worth two hundred thousand dollars but you your negotiation starting point is four hundred thousand mm -hmm. right that really frames people it anchors them to that four hundred thousand right and that mm -hmm. affects how people uh, think about the actual problem at hand. And then sometimes just word associations, like you're mentioning in the example from the book. So this one's a really strong, uh, this framing effect is a really strong effect that we see throughout through the, throughout the semester so far. Right, mm -hmm. yes. And the priming effect can, priming can also have an effect in politics. Um, for, for example, um, if, and researchers also find that if the polling station position persists in a school and the um, the proposition for uh, increasing the education funding will increase. 
There's some clever things you could do here maybe to mess with these decisions a little bit based on where they're at, how they're worded. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the other things that I know, uh, so we're talking more about priming, uh, but another from, from thinking about, um, another one from thinking about framing is just what things are called. You know, I've done a little bit of research on this where we look at how policy issues, depending on what name you give them, people are more or likely to support them, which the media plays a huge role in, you know. Yeah. One of the classic funny ones, I think, is from late night television when the Affordable Care Act was being debated and uh, com late night comedians would go and do interviews. I think, I don't remember who, who did it now. But anyways, they would say, how do you feel about the Affordable Care Act? And people would go, oh, it's great, it's affordable, we definitely want this. And then they would ask them, what do you think about Obamacare? Oh, it's bad, and it's got, it's got that guy's name associated with it. We don't want it, you know. So it's amazing the role that these just simple priming or framing effects can play, for sure. Yes, yeah. Um, yes, just as you said, media really can um, apply priming um, to influence audience um, evaluation to uh, the public servant. Uh -huh. um, one example uh, I also found is that uh, the media, uh, so the uh, agenda setting uh, by the media can uh, like the influence the comply, comply, uh, so how important the issue is to people. Uh -huh, the, yes. the overall importance, yeah. Yes. Um, and another thing is that the um, uh, negative languages can also influence the uh, public's evaluation toward the public servants. So it's important for public servants whose job um, rely on public trust. Um, for example, uh, in the last uh, presidential election, there might be some um, name calling or some um, like some languages uses are not uh, favored by public uh, that might that might influence the presidential election. So I think as a public servant, it's really important to focus on the positive language mm -hmm. to deliver a uh, efficient work. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that the media plays, which you which you alluded to, was whatever things they choose to focus on really dominate in the public's mind, mm -hmm. right? And so, and the things that dominate like the news are things that are, that are new, that are changing from some situation yeah. or something that's very vivid or something that's very kind of bad that's happened often. And so one of the roles, one of the things that I'm glad y'all focused on the media role is public servants need to be aware of that, right? They need to be aware that the news can be distorting in terms of what things are actually important to the livelihood of their citizens, but things that don't make the news, right? So one of the classic examples maybe is heart disease, right? Heart disease kills a lot of people, but it gets not a ton of attention in the news because it's not dramatic. It's not really vivid, not something like a terrorist attack, for example, which most people are pretty safe from, but we devote all of this time and attention to minimizing terrorism, but less time towards some of these other more common harms that might happen to people. And the, and the news media plays a really important role in that, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, so I think uh, for, for uh, letting people have enough uh, attention to important, uh, important issues, it's important for media to like, uh, 
uh, help like shift the focus from something that had been primed mm -hmm. um, and uh, to make sure that important issues to be exposed to public. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very good. Thank you. Uh -huh. And Jasmine well um, talked about the effect heuristic. All right, let's hear about it, Jasmine. Thank you. Yeah, the effect heuristic is something that we sort of already mentioned, um, but and it kind of relates to uh, not only system one and system two, but even Shu's discussion of uh, priming. So the effect heuristic, just to give some background first, um, is developed based on uh, the substitution for an easy question, which is how do I feel about something, for a more difficult question, which is what do I actually think about it. Mm -hmm. So effective inputs um, that we experience include our moods, uh, emotions, responses based on various stimuli, and um, effects associated with product attributes. So effective inputs impact public servants, specifically uh, in decision-making as political preferences shape arguments that someone finds compelling. If an individual agrees with a certain policy, he or she are more likely to see that policy as manageable and the benefits substantial. Uh, when considering the impact of system one on public servants, effective language can be considered because it has a dramatic impact on the public's emotional response to certain issues that are portrayed in the media. Negative effective language influences how public servants make decisions about political figures and policies and contributes to their risk uh, or ab ability to evaluate risk as it's presented in the media. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. So some of this uh, affect maybe means more or less to people, but is, is one way of putting this kind of like an emotional heuristic? I mean, is part of this like how our overall mood or overall emotion colors our perspective just like all the time. Absolutely. And is that a piece of it? And then another piece of it that I, that uh, it seems like you were uh, mentioning is this idea of something kind of like a halo effect, right? That once you've determined one, like once you've, like once I've determined I like Jasmine, right? Then everything Jasmine does is great no matter what she says, right? And, and once I've decided I don't like James, everything James does forever is crappy in my mind, right? right? So there's like some of this, like it's in part this being aware that our emotions are coloring everything we do in ways even that we don't, that we don't know, but also being aware that we take that emotion and then make a broad kind of, uh, a, a broad evaluation of something that may be a lot more nuanced than what we're allowing for. Definitely. And not only do we do this on an individual level, as you were saying, but we do it, um, it's presented through the media as well mm, okay. um, and that's how it affects various organizations beliefs about certain policies and uh, beliefs about particular risks which is the next thing that I'm going to get into um, because the effect heuristic as as you've already said is is very emotional and one emotional response that is um, very stimulated within that is risk uh, and, and fear um, so the effect heuristic uh, contributes to risk assessment because decisions are based on subjective answers to available options and uh, risk perception represents one's assessment of uh, maybe the probability of a disaster's occurrence or how concerned they are about that occurrence's uh, consequences. So when a public when the public perceives risk political pressure then gets placed on governments and public officials to respond to that risk. And this occurs even when the risk is unlikely to occur or is less likely uh, than maybe was once feared. Um, and then this results in governments um, to 
kind of make stabs in the dark, for lack of a better term, and devote resources to problems that maybe aren't as significant as is being portrayed. Uh, so the idea is that the media also, like, not only shapes what we pay attention to, but shapes what we deem, like, scary, or shapes what we deem, like, might could cause us harm. Right. right. So, like, if the media focuses a lot on a terrorist incident, or if the media focuses a lot on a school shooting, or if the media focuses a lot on homicides, and uh, that those are all things that are relatively uncommon ways to die in the U.S., for example, but they get a lot of attention and they put a lot of resources to to them because they're so, uh, they elicit such strong emotions from us. Absolutely. And you've mentioned terrorism a couple of times, and that's actually what I focused on is the okay. uh, example of the effect heuristic. Um, and, and really what I found on that is despite the frequency of terrorist attacks, the threat that persists uh, results in uh, heightened threat perceptions, uh, intensified media coverage, retrospective reviews, or um, even hindsight bias, uh, which is getting into another one of the heuristics. Um, and actually, the way that this sort of ties into our overall discussion of policy decisions that come about because of these heuristics is um, the Bush administration's decision to create the Department of Homeland Security shortly after the attacks on September 11, 2001. Mm -hmm. uh, so this kind of reinforces the notion that the public response to an event does shape our policy decisions and decisions by political actors. Um, so that's, that's a great um, point to make there uh, about terrorism. But uh, these decisions and uh, heuristics can be uh, mitigated through a couple of strategies that I'm going to talk about now. Um, and the first one is using evidence in decision making. Um, this will reduce the use of negative effective language and Shu kind of already touched on the significance of negative language. And uh, in using less negative effective language there will then be less quick judgments that occur and less negative impressions that persist in the memories of the public. And public servants can use language that's supported by evidence to then avoid statements being inflated or dramatized in the media because we know that the media loves to mm -hmm. cling on to catchy phrases or, or terms um, to get ratings. So that's something that can be done. In addition, uh, public servants can also then share that information with the public uh, because it's important that uh, the public is aware of what is actually going on in a political climate or in regards to a particular policy so that they're not putting pressure on the government that causes the government to make those stabs in the dark. Mm -hmm. And minimizing uncertainty can um, be achieved in situations where uh, maybe language is expressing whether a risk is predictable or unpredictable, because when a risk is unpredictable, we then associate that, um, that it's riskier and, and therefore more dangerous. Um, and this is difficult to really implement in um, natural disasters such as floods or um, even man-made disasters such as terrorist attacks. So it's hard to anticipate. However, once public servants have that information available, not only is it important that they use that to inform their own policy decisions, but to then inform the public and their constituents. I like the, as a, as a stuffy academic, I like that you're focusing on evidence because um, <laughs> this is something that we do often miss from the conversation, right, that a lot of it particularly in modern media um, and certain forms of it more than others, right? Like video, uh, cable news network really relies on this affect heuristic and getting you worked up about things rather than kind of 
trying to focus as much on quality evidence. So I think that's a really important one. And sharing that with the general public, I think, is really important as well. Absolutely. So thank you. Yeah. Now Lindsay is going to chat a little bit about the availability heuristic. All right. So the availability heuristic was really interesting um, to examine within the dynamics of news media. So this heuristic, you know, represents you know the ease of which instances come to mind. You know, and as a result, you know, certain events can appear as more you know, accessible or prevalent or even frequent. So Kahneman presents um, availability as a function of system one. We've been you know, discussing a lot about you know, this, these systems of thinking um, and how system one you know, creates these, language, these linkages you know, immediately and jumps to conclusions. And as a result, that can affect our perceptions of frequency. So um, our reactions to the availability of a situation you know, could be presented to the public, you know, and ultimately addressed by public officials as more serious if it's perceived as m these instances are more frequent, mm -hmm. um, and that could, you know, promote a public response. So it was really interesting to examine, you know, this heuristic, and how does that impact, you know, public decision making? And imagine things that are like, sort of like we're talking about the news, things that are more vivid, mm -hmm. things that are more emotional, yeah. even if they don't happen that frequently, mm -hmm. if people see them you know, twice, all of a sudden it's, oh, we see these things all the time and it's a big, yeah. huge deal because they stick in our mm -hmm. mind, and, and that, which creates a, an availability bias towards yeah. them. And often you know, those ex perceived experiences of risk you know, conflict with reality. Mm -hmm. And Kahneman maintains you know, that these certain events you know, change our perceptions of risk, and often you know, the risk hasn't really changed. And it's you know the availability bias that distorts our estimates of certainty, and that can create you know immediate and ultimately long-lasting consequences for public policy. Um, so some of the strategies that we examined to um, address the availability heuristic includes um, having decision makers you know control their response. They might not be able to you know control the story that's you know being portrayed within the media. But they can ultimately, you know, control their responses and ultimately their policy actions that they present to their constituents, mm -hmm. which is really important. Um, you know, but from from the perspective of an elected official, you know, recognizing these concerns that have been made made available for constituents, you know, to retrieve so easily, um, can place decision makers in a, a very difficult position. You know, if their responsibility to act as a representative of their, you know, constituents conflicts, you know, with the evidence and conflicts with, you know, the reality of risk. So that really is a, a challenge for um, decision makers. And then additionally, um, working to ensure that the decisions of policymakers are not primarily a reaction of information from the media. And it's not so immediate and quick from a news story, but that it's actually, you know, thought about and assessed. And we're going, we're going back to evidence a lot, but that, that really that effort is made. Mm -hmm. Good evidence and already having plans in place mm -hmm. beforehand, yes. right? Not just being reactive, kind yes. of proactively seeking out what your goals are and having plans and process for the process and plans for those and contingency plans, mm -hmm. not just kind of taking whatever's thrown at exactly. you and, and jumping all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that ultimately you know impacts how do decision makers you know weight information from news media, and that can be different, but you know across mm -hmm. decision makers and even levels of government, but. Just understanding how that information is weighted as actual information um, can also impact decision making, and also um, an important strategy was you know framing, framing discussions um, or reframing information that can serve a more useful purpose. So how can we re reframe this as you know policy officials to serve 
you know, a more effective and accurate um, purpose. Um, you know, policymakers, you know, the media uses um, framing, but policymakers can also use framing and they can communicate their frames um, as a strategy to manage information. Um, and then managing information um, was ultimately, you know, the last strategy to um, confront the availability, availability heuristic and that ultimately serves, you know, to understand uh, the context of the environment or a situation and really, you know, like we talked about planning, really understanding, okay, how could this, you know, either evoke a response and how are we ultimately going to react as public servants? No, this is great. Um, thank you. There's a lot, uh, a lot here. Um, we've covered, you know, framing and priming. We've talked about the affect uh, heuristic. We've talked about the availability bias. And uh, part of this conversation is to hopefully inform you of being aware of some of these biases and the ways in which they might influence your decision and also thinking about some strategies. Sometimes the strategies are really going to be as simple as stop, take your time, mm -hmm. don't overreact, mm -hmm. gather evidence, things that seem pretty straightforward, mm -hmm. but the more aware you become of the places you actually have these biases, the more aware you can be of when maybe you're not engaging in the evidence and you're having an emotional response, or you're not thinking about the role that media is playing, or you know one that we haven't mentioned but also uh, does a lot of these things in even a less regulated way is social media, right? Everyone, lots and lots of people are on social media and it plays the same types of mm -hmm. general roles of uh, overhyping things, uh, uh, looking to try to have people to have emotional responses so they'll click on things. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't, this, these concerns aren't going away for public sector managers and public servants, uh, even as the role of social media increases, they're actually becoming more pronounced. Um, thank you for your time. We're past our 20-minute mark. You did a great job, and uh, hopefully the listeners found this interesting as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.